Hey, you're listening to It Needs To Be Said, where the conversations are honest and the opinions may get you cancelled. Okay, so today we're talking about lying and we're going to get to that, but we want to start with one of those little segments where we discuss a hot topic we've been thinking about and the topic we want to discuss is trigger warnings. Do you have any thoughts you want to bring to the table first, Marissa? Um, not specifically. I've been doing like a, a bit of research, but I know this is something that well, I was hoping this was something that you were going to take the reins with because I know this is a passion of yours, but I, I definitely have things to bring. Okay. But I, I would love for you to take the reins. On okay. Um, yeah. So I understand the point of trigger warnings. I feel mm. like they became a thing. The first time I heard it was I was speaking to my sister, who's a psychologist. You've all met her. And I was explaining to her a situation and she was like, oh, I think you were triggered. And I was like, what do you mean? And she explained what that meant. Anyways, and then so that's the first time I'd heard about being triggered and that was that was a long time ago. And then maybe a year later she had said something about a trigger warning, you know, something like that. But then I feel like in the last five years, trigger warnings are out of control, out especially of control. online. And the thing that bothers me about trigger warnings is they're getting so ridiculous. Like mm. I fully, fully, fully understand a trigger warning. If I'm if I'm going to have a conversation with you right now for the podcast and I'm talking about really explicit details about something really hectic like, I don't know, sexual assault, I understand just having a, a little trigger warning at the beginning being like, hey, guys, this is what we're going to be discussing. Mm-hmm. But the kind of trigger warnings I've seen lately are crazy to me. Let me just read you a few. So I'm on this Facebook group that I've since left, um, but I started taking screenshots of the trigger warnings I saw because they were so funny to me. So here's one. Trigger warning, blood and sharp objects. (laughs) Trigger warning, weight loss. Trigger warning, pregnancy. Trigger warning, pregnancy test. Trigger warning, early pregnancy. And to me, I just thought, okay, if you need a trigger warning for pregnancy, how are you walking around in public? Because you mm. will see pregnant ladies. I'm not saying that, mm. you know, you can't be triggered by that. That might be an experience that you're having. But for for you had to have to put a trigger warning on a story about blood and sharp objects. <laughs> I just feel like, are we not just like perpetuating a problem of people yeah. not dealing with their, you know, unresolved trauma? Mm-hmm. And so I I found an article which really, really um, eloquently kind of describes the problem that I have with trigger warnings mm-hmm. and when they might be necessary as well. And so I do have a few quotes that um, I can read and I might read one and then we can maybe discuss it. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So at the beginning it says, oh, so it's an article called Gliding Down a Slippery Slope, Why Usage of Trigger Warnings Persists Despite Research Suggesting They Might Be Counterproductive. And I'll um, link this in the show notes as well. So the first quote, so it says, proponents are branded as overly sensitive snowflakes who do too much to keep their students safe. Opponents are caricatured as inhabitants of the intellectual dark web who want everyone to toughen up already. So I think the re- the reason why I've read that is because I think that um, kind of speaks to the fact that trigger warnings really started in universities first and there was a big divide. It was like if you start using trigger warnings, you're overly sensitive and, you know, you're, you're raising a generation of snowflakes and if you're not using them, then you just want everyone to toughen up and you have no empathy, which is the yeah. problem I think with – with trigger warnings and the use of trigger warnings, it's like 
if you use them, you are kind of branded as, oh, you care, you know, you care about people's well-being, and if you don't, you're really insensitive. You know what I mean? It's like the truth has to be somewhere in the middle. We can't just say that everything needs a trigger trigger warning and every trigger warning is helpful. I I fully agree that there are definitely times where, you know, you should give even the listeners to this podcast a heads up about something crazy that's um, being discussed. But, I mean, the title of the episode should give that away anyway. Hmm. I was just going to say that when when I was doing a little bit of research for this um, episode, same, I was sort of looking at the background of it and there Mm -hmm. was talks about how, predominantly it was used also in like a clinical setting with a psychologist where Mm. they would be talking mostly about PTSD. That was primarily where it was surrounded around Mm -hmm. and it was to do with, yeah, things like sexual assault, perhaps war, and there were really specific things that would trigger that person that has a formally diagnosed PTSD, you know, illness to then, you know, have a range of symptoms and they could be quite broad from, you know, throwing them literally where they lose touch with reality and in their mind they're literally back in that situation all the way to, you know, a bit of mild anxiety sort of thing or a little bit of a funny feeling. So it was quite broad but that was primarily where it was used and then Mm. it started being filtered into your universities but then it just became more and more broad and covering a lot more illnesses. So, yeah, trigger warnings started to happen or being – labeled with things like eating disorders that would trigger a person to binge or to purge or whatever and then and and so on and so forth with other mental health issues they all sort of had their relevant yeah. you know triggers that could be caused for it I feel like maybe the start of it going into universities and out of a clinical setting mm. was probably the start of a slippery slope or the start of it getting to where it is now and I think probably not not only that but when it transferred onto online because we've always had you know like on movies we've all always had um your ratings your g p g m whatever so there's some sort of something to say hey we we deem this to be most appropriate for XYZ demographic and we're letting you know that it involves sexual content, drug use or yep. you know, violence or whatever. So it's got a few things there within the the grading of the the show. Mm. But then the trigger warnings started to come in and they're on the telly and then they I think quickly transferred onto internet. And I think that's where it's really fucking gone crazy <laughs> because then it's on your TikToks, on your Instagrams, on your Facebook groups. And and I think that's where it's sort of really, really spread. Yeah. And research is showing that they're not effective, but they continue to be used. Let me read some of that research. So, In this article, it says some research does suggest that trigger warnings may be able to reduce distress, but only very, very marginally. A 2018 paper, though, concluded that trigger warnings were not only largely ineffective, but also in some cases amplified the anxiety people reported in response to distressing material. Another study from 2021 noted that trigger warnings can ultimately prolong the adverse impacts of recalling painful memories, perhaps because they tell our brains to expect something negative and in doing so worsen the distress we feel, which makes sense to me like if you're like you know this is coming this is coming and then it's almost like you're like kind of being like oh I'm meant to be distressed by this I'm meant to be triggered by this or this is meant to be distressing then you almost like push yourself into that response where if you are being triggered if that response does happen naturally that should be an indication to you oh there's probably some unresolved business here that I need to go and work on I need to work on and that's exactly what was said next they said 
Trigger warnings are counter-therapeutic because they encourage avoidance of reminders of trauma and avoidance maintains PTSD. If you need a trigger warning, you need PTSD treatment and should consider evidence-based cognitive behavioral therapies involving gradual systemic exposure to traumatic memories until their capacity to trigger distress diminishes. If you're just always avoiding this trigger, if blood and sharp objects, objects is a trigger to you, I'm not saying that doesn't exist. I'm sure that does exist. Life is triggering. And so Mm. if you're going through life, just avoiding that stuff and we've spoken about it before, but just being like such a snowflake and, you know, you're not able to have any sort of resistance to you. You are reducing your capacity. And a lot of the studies were showing too that people don't even necessarily stop. So they see the trigger warning. They then become quite anxious because they've been told to preemptively expect that they're going to feel shit in five minutes time or an hour's time and depending on how you know what you're doing Mm. and so you already provoking this anxiety in a person but that's not even stopping most people from then going on to watching it yeah so what's the point yeah exactly they watch it and then and then what they just blame so i was triggered by this or whatever or whatever but it's like there like you say there comes a point where we can't pussyfoot around everything all the time. <laughs> yeah. Like people need to deal with it. And, and that's not to say that people don't have PTSD and don't yeah. are not triggered. We're not trying to invalidate the fact that people can be triggered by things. But mm. if you are triggered by things, well, then there's something that you need to work on or there's something that needs to be addressed. There's some work that needs to happen if you're being triggered by a particular thing. It's not to say that sure. that's a bad thing or that you shouldn't be. It's just saying rather than having trigger warnings on a bloody packet of chips at the shops and everywhere, always in your face, everything. Why not hold the people that, like, this might sound rude, but, like, why not have some accountability on the people that have their struggles to work on those struggles, to improve, to grow, to move forward from that rather than just bubble wrapping everything we can? Exactly. And, again, it's like, like I remember seeing a post one time where, the post was something about, you know, they had just mentioned sexual assault, you know, and again, obviously very a hectic topic can be very triggering to some people, but the post had just mentioned sexual assault. And then someone commented on that being like, this post should really have a trigger warning. And I just thought, well, how are they meant to give a trigger warning about sexual assault without saying sexual assault anyway? Like they've not gone into details Mm. about the sexual assault. It's like that person's just like, oh, this is a, a serious topic. It needs a trigger warning. Like, no, it doesn't. If that person had given details of their experience with that or, Mm. you know, had gone into explicit details different, then I'd be like, yeah, okay, maybe just give people the heads up that you're really going into detail. But just Mm. the term sexual assault, again, if that's triggering you. Mm. Same with the term pregnancy, the term pregnancy test. Like, And it's not to say that people don't have struggles. It's not to take away from people's difficulties and people's, you know, issues and all that sort of stuff. That's not the – that's not – the point mm, no. the point is that like there there's a there needs to be a boundary on it and so you said before like what is the point if we know that research shows it doesn't work and if anything it's counterproductive why do people do it and this article did explore that as well they said for many others using trigger warnings could simply be a mindless replication of trends rooted in either virtue signaling or the fear of being cancelled so in an era where people are rewarded for being performatively woke as long as the performativeness is camouflaged 
it's clear why trigger warnings have already become an intrinsic part of woke social scripts. <laughs> and I just felt like that was so true. I was like, it is, again, such an easy way to seem like you are the morality police. Like mm. that deserves a trigger warning. Oh, okay, you're a good person. You know what I mean? Mm. It's just like mm. I'm above you all. I know that people deserve empathy. And, yes, people do, but it is such a virtue signaling thing to do. Like mm. it's so easy, you know, like trigger warning, blood loss. <laughs> Like, that doesn't just suddenly make you this, like, woke princess because you're giving a trigger warning because it's this really trendy, really, like, progressive thing and it's this new new kind of, you know, movement. It's just – it's such a easy trap. But I feel like if people just put, like, a little bit of thought into why they're doing it, is it helpful, what's this really feeding into, you wouldn't be doing it. But people don't do that. They go, what's trendy? What's everyone else doing? Or what's that person doing that's like really known for their like left-wing ideology? Or they do that? Well, I'm going to do it too. Mm -hmm. And the thing is too, by – by it being so broad and being used so heavily, it really has lost its meaning that people that probably do deserve a trigger warning on really particular things, it's now so lost in mm. such a sea of fucking trigger warnings here, there and everywhere. Exactly. Which exactly. is a shame because even though we know from there's, I think there's something I was reading, there's at least 12 studies that have been conducted all around the world on this particular topic and looking at how effective it is and and mostly we know that it's not Mm. we know that it's it just causes people to have anxiety preemptively more than anything it doesn't really affect how they then process what's to come but like if it was strictly just for the extreme cases I wouldn't have an issue with it. No way. While it, while we know that statistically speaking, maybe it doesn't have an effect. You give the people the option. You give exactly. the people to, con- you know, who are really suffering the option to work out what they want to do with that information. But For because sure. that's so saturated in an online platform of just trigger warnings about everything, people that genuinely need the trigger warnings and um, content that genuinely needs the the content warnings is so lost mm. in, yeah, this, it is. in this mix of everything else that it's, you know, the other thing is probably people that need the trigger warnings are then a bit desensitized to it because they're seeing it on everything and they're thinking, oh, like disregard, that was nothing. Yeah, exactly. It was just a test sitting there. It was just a word used. It wasn't explicit content. So then when there is something that really actually needed the trigger warning, yeah. it's kind of it's a bit like like dismissed and then you're probably going to be smacked in the face with like a real hectic you know, <laughs> sexual assault or, yeah. you know, something that really, really needed it. It's, it gets lost. Yeah. Again, we're not saying that trigger warnings should never happen. We have a episode recorded, which we would probably put some sort of trigger warning at the beginning because mm. that's a bit of a more serious topic. So yeah, it's not to say that we disagree with all of them, but I think people just need to just, yeah, wake up to like how far this has gone. Mm. And I think the thing is too, like people could argue that, well, what we find not triggering obviously Mm. could be really triggering for somebody else that's had, you know, say the pregnancy one, for example, that someone that's had a lot of losses or is unable to fall pregnant or, you know, whatever, a range of things, why that could be really triggering for that person. Mm. Like, 
I still think there needs to be a line where, yes, we appreciate that that could be really difficult for you. And I honestly, I wouldn't wish it on my worst enemy to have really, you know, difficult fertility. And we both Mm -hmm. know people that have gone through really hard times in that area. Yeah. But there has to be a line. Otherwise, Mm. these things get lost. And not so much, like, well, for any topic, really. Like, there has to be something in the sand that says, if if something so simple like this is triggering and this is really affecting your life, well, then you really need to do something about that. Do you know what I mean? Like, just putting trigger warnings on everything is not actually helping the people. Like, no. They almost need to be triggered to say, oh, well, that's something that actually really hurts me or that's something that really you know, does something to me, mm-hmm. they need to they need to know that to then go and do something about it. Yeah, does, for sure. Does that make sense? And we would say that about something like we've used the sexual assault example a lot. Like I would say that about sexual assault and about, you know, blood and sharp objects. Like in both cases, even though mm. I might think that one is a bit more severe than the other, in both cases, if you need a trigger warning, you need to go and, you know, work on that or, you know, go and speak to someone about that and get that cognitive behavior therapy. And a lot of that, you know, that therapy involves exposure to your trigger. Yeah, literally. Because you need to work through it. You need to be able In to face that. quantities over and over and over. So yeah. something so small that's not explicit, you're, that's by not having a trigger warning and reading that post, you're actually helping yourself. Like you're <laughs> yeah. doing what you're about to be told to do for a hundred bucks an hour. Like, <laughs> Yeah, exactly. So, Just with some deep breathing exercises and things like that. <laughs> yeah, with some techniques. But like I just feel that <laughs> – there, there has to be a line, mm. and I don't. And I also don't know how that happens now that it's gone so crazy. Yeah, exactly. How do you draw it back in? I don't know. But yeah. it's interesting because then, like I've seen, I've been in that Facebook group, and I've seen people do posts, and as soon as one person comments, this should have a trigger warning. Bang, there it is. No one is willing to be like, no, it doesn't. <laughs> you know. Yeah, and I, I don't know where where things shifted over the last five years or so, where like. As a society, it's just one person. It's like Mm. one minority group. It's like the masses have to conform because one person got upset about it. Yeah. So now that whole post needs to be changed. Everybody needs to receive an unnecessary trigger warning. You're diluting the purpose of a trigger warning Mm -hmm. because one person said, that might upset me. And how often do we see that in like, all facets of life at the moment where it's Mm. one person's offended by this. Well, we must fucking change every single thing about what we do as a society because one person or one minority group, like it seems to be very, (laughs) the thing to do right now is like, we must protect all at the detriment of protecting most. Like it just doesn't make sense. It's so true. That was a good wrap up. Nice work. Hello listeners, sorry to interrupt. Just a quick message from us. Firstly, a massive thank you to our Patreons. We cannot thank you enough for financially supporting us to help keep this podcast going and growing. If this is something you too would be interested in, you'll find the link to our Patreon account in the show notes of this episode. Thanks as always for listening. Let's get back to the show. Okay, welcome everyone to another episode. Today we're talking about lying. Mm, this is a good mm. one. I know something Salome is very passionate about. <laughs> yeah, I'm surprised that you're not passionate about it, to be honest. 
So, yes, the reason, and I know you're going to ask, why did you want to talk about this? So I might as well just tell you <laughs> when we were brainstorming episode ideas, the reason why I brought lying forward is because I don't know, like for me, I find it so frustrating when I know someone's lied to me. Like I'm very, very passionate about trying my very, very best to tell the truth always and really avoiding lying. Like that's kind of my philosophy. So when I see people just living their lives and just lying left, right and center, I find it so crazy, especially Mm. when say you're with someone and this happens quite frequently where I'm with someone and they know that I was there in the story that they're telling. And so they're telling this story back to me or back to a group of people around me and just outwardly lying about what happened, but they know that I was there. And so then I just think, how are you so confident to lie? Like, why do people feel so different about lying? It kind of blows my mind. Yeah, that's true. It's interesting, isn't it? How do you feel about it? Um, I definitely agree with, I think, your sort of philosophy and like trying not to lie. However, I do condone a white lie here and there. (laughs) Okay. Because I feel like sometimes it's a bit of a necessary evil. Okay, give me an example. Um, And I think this also is to do with like, and we've had this conversation before about having to explain yourself too much. So Mm. say, for example, I call up a GP clinic because I've double booked and I need to cancel an appointment, right? And it's maybe slightly less than the 24-hour period and I obviously don't want to have to pay a fee, right? Yeah. So you call up to cancel the appointment and rather than just being like, I'm canceling the appointment, deal with it. I'll say, I'm so sorry, my car broke down, I'm not going to be able to make the appointment. <laughs> okay, no worries, that's fine, we can reschedule. Yep, sure, cool. Um, if we could just make it till tomorrow. Made new appointment, mm-hmm. done. Phone gets hung up, no one gets hurt, it's not a big deal, I feel better about cancelling. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So, that's where I am open to, quote, lying or white lying. However, yeah, putting heaps of mayo on a story, completely lying in a story, just lying in general, lying to be manipulative, all those things, not Mm. about it. Don't you feel like it's a slippery slope though with little white lies? Like that's, I totally understand that sometimes it, it is easy to lie. And it's not that I find it easy to not lie. Sometimes it's hard not to. But like in that example, I'll read this little quote from Jordan Peterson. He says, tell the truth or at least don't lie. Mm -hmm. You don't have to always tell the truth, but just don't lie about it. You know what I mean? So Mm -hmm. in that example, you don't have to say, oh, I double booked. It's my fault. You don't have to say your car broke down. You can just say, I'm really, Mm -hmm. really sorry. I can't make it to the appointment. Um, Can I please just, you know, book it again for tomorrow? And while I agree with that, I think there's something wrong with me that I feel like I have to justify yeah. my actions or like my reasoning mm. a lot. So I this feel probably this comes down to the boundaries thing again. Yeah, maybe. I feel this like overwhelming, like, yeah, sense of having to explain myself all the time mm. when, yeah, you don't need to. Or you can just say something or, no, I don't want to attend this event. That's the end yeah. of it. I don't, want to, I don't want to attend. But I feel yeah. like I need to give a reason. And if the reason is that I don't want to attend, then I don't want to offend somebody by telling them, no, I don't want to come to your party. Yeah, but again, so you're doing I'm, the true thing. You can just say, I'm sorry, I can't make it. I know, but that's what I'm saying. That's what I struggle yeah. with. I struggle with just yeah. leaving it at that because I feel like people want more. Mm. 
I feel like people yeah. want an explanation. They want to know why. They want to know this. So that's why then you mm. feel like, well, I, I don't want to hurt your feelings by giving you the truth. So I'll give you a white lie instead. Yeah, for sure. Do you know what I mean? That's the rationale yeah. behind. I'm not saying it's right or wrong. I'm just saying I think that's why mm. people or I do it. You know, I, I know my dad does it. He same type of context where he might need to cancel a job for whatever reason and he feels like he has to explain himself rather than just saying, you know, I can't do this or I can't do that or whatever. Or he's really busy but he doesn't want to let somebody down. Yeah. So instead you yep. give them a reason to justify why. Mm. You know? Yeah, I don't want to rehash out the whole boundaries conversation again, but <laughs> so often when people do ask you for a reason or like why can't you come? Why, why can't you do this? Like that is crossing a boundary. People aren't entitled mm. to that information, really. Mm. And so then if you just like are aware of that, I feel like that would help. But then again, like if you're okay with little white lights, like I'm not here to convince you that you, know, you shouldn't <laughs> be telling them, but I'm just trying to like, I don't ever really feel the need to give a reason because I like I, that conversation doesn't happen. It's more just, I'll be like, I can't attend this appointment. Um, where to from here? Not like really thinking about the reason that I can't attend because that's not relevant mm. anyway. We may as well just reschedule it. You know what I mean? Mm. I'm more inclined to feel like I want to give a white lie if I'm cancelling a plan with someone or if someone wants to catch mm. up and I don't want to catch up because mm-hmm. that is awkward. Mm. What's a very tempting white lie? I think is sorry, I just don't have the time at the moment. Mm-hmm. When I have heaps of time, I just don't have time for you. <laughs> I just don't want to hang out. But how rude would that be if you said that? So that's, yeah. I guess, kind of what I think is – I can't tell you the truth because it's going to upset you. So I'll tell you a white mm. lie instead. However, I could just say nothing at all. You could just say nothing. Yeah. Or you could frame it in a way that's like what I have said before when I don't want to catch up with someone. So I just don't have the capacity at the moment to catch up because no one can argue that. No one can be like, yes, you do. You do have the capacity. <laughs> you know? And the capacity is quite broad in the sense that, yeah, it mm. could mean you don't have the time capacity, the a mental or emotional capacity or, you yeah. know, like I guess that's quite a – broad but like something that people aren't going to be like what do you mean what do you mean yeah exactly yeah another reason why I just want to be careful of white lies is because I feel like they are a slippery slope Mm. like when there's been people in my life who I notice do the little white lies a lot then it's not long before I notice that they do lie about more significant things as well Mm. and so if your blanket rule is like I try my very best not to lie ever then you might do a few white lies but your your line is a a bit closer to telling the truth than it is to lie you know what I mean it's almost like a bit of a cascade of what you allow to come out of your mouth and I feel like when I do notice that someone even does little white lies like I notice that and I remember that even if it's a subconscious thing I'll remember, oh, they tell little white lies. Mm. If they're giving me little bits of information or excuses and stuff, I just don't believe it. Mm. And then I feel like we're not really that close because if we're a close friend, you would just tell me the truth. Like I I Mm. would never care if you just don't want to catch up. You know what I mean? So I feel like it's kind of, it does break trust in my relationship with them. Mm. That was something that I was going to speak about was I feel like on, I guess, small to large scales I think trust and lying are very like intertwined with each other and like Mm. you say if that's on a small level then yeah I think that extends to if you know a partner's lying about where they were well that's Mm. that makes it hard to trust them or yeah a friend makes a promise and 
that they've lied about their ability to be able to do something for you and then, you know, that breaks your trust to be able to trust they will do that thing again. I think they're very lying and trusting that person or trusting that sort of situation are very like intertwined within each other. For sure. Have you ever had a friendship where there's a lot of lying involved? Yes. <laughs> you know I have. <laughs> Please talk about it. Um. Yes, I think a lot of it was, I don't know if it's sort of like a, if it was predominantly a lot of lying to sort of like exaggerate stories or exaggerate their lifestyle or exaggerate mm-hmm. things to kind of like have this facade, I suppose. Um, but this one particular story I remember like, so vividly and my memory doesn't allow a lot of that so it's quite significant and (laughs) we were on holiday with this person and all of my family and we were sitting out at um, a meal and they start telling a story about how they choked on a chicken bone and or swallowed a chicken bone like a whole like wing thing and they were Mm -hmm. like talking about this story and explaining everyone's thinking like literally people are being like wow that is crazy like how do you physically even like swallow a whole chicken wing (laughs) like what the fuck (laughs) and then she's like telling the story and then mid-story she breaks character and goes from talking about I this I that to saying he and like third personing in the story And I don't know if anybody else, like, noticed it or not, but, like, I definitely noticed it. I remember being like, hold up, (laughs) just full broke character, mate. (laughs) And I was like, that doesn't even make sense. Anyway, then she keeps telling the story, but, yeah, it kind of, like, then happened about three times throughout the rest of the story and it kind of happened in the part where she'd said how – because people were like, what do you mean? Like, how did you not Mm. die or, like, have some sort of – issue or injury or you know like and what then do you poop out a bone you know like people want clarification on the story like that because it's not an everyday thing that someone swallows like a significant bone you know no and that was when she when she had swapped and said about like well then he was in hospital (laughs) and I was like what oh my god it's so funny (laughs) (laughs) and like I think I already, I definitely already knew before that point, but mm. it was that moment that I was like, mate, like, there was no need. It's not like we were sharing stories of weird things that we've swallowed and she couldn't think of something and she came up with this crazy story about swallowing a chicken bone. Like, we were just eating wings. Grandma was talking about how much she yeah, loves wings no and ribs. Like, there was no need to just whip this ridiculous story out. And like, yeah. I think that was kind of just an example of, her as a person I think particularly at that time I'm not sure now but I think she was very confused as a person so lying Mm. was like a mechanism to try and I guess inflate this persona or this person that she wanted to be by using different stories and putting Mm. mayo on the ones that were you know somewhat true or whatever so um, yeah I think like that was interesting that's so funny but I think that that makes me really think about how I think the kind of lie that someone tells or the kind of lie that you catch someone in obviously is different. Like, for example, if I know someone's lying because they feel awkward or they're trying to cover their tracks or, you know, they're they're a bit scared about something, that is way more excusable to me. You know, like mm. I feel like there's been moments where 
even between us, like I've asked like, oh, have you done this thing for the podcast? And you've been like, yep, yep, it's done. But like really you're stressed and you're still trying to do it. Like I don't care about that because I'm like, oh, poor girl. Like she's just <laughs> doesn't want to make me mad or something. I'm over here. <laughs> yeah. And I'm not sitting here being like, I don't trust Marissa. Like that's not really what I'm saying. Um, it's more those kind of lies like what you just told where it's like there's no need for you to lie about this. Like You've made a choice it, to really yeah. consciously lie. You're just like for no reason building this lie and it makes me feel like weird about where you are mentally, that you're Mm. creating this weird double life and this like fantasy of who you are because there's definitely been people in my life who are like that as well. And just like that, it's the lie is so unnecessary. You didn't have to say that. It didn't actually change any part of your story. It didn't, the detail wasn't necessary and you're just you're just saying it so convincingly that I'm like I think you might actually believe that lie mm. which mm. is concerning like you I think you tell so many lies that now you feel so confident to just lie to all of our faces when half of us in the room know that that's a lie <laughs> that to me is like that's concerning because yeah. sometimes you might lie and you might you know you know if you can get away with it or not. But when someone's lying and they're not getting away with it but they still just keep doing it, that's weird. It is weird. And and they're doing it, yeah, to a crowd that know that they're lying but that's not even really realised in their mind. It's just push on. <laughs> Let's keep it going. And, yeah, I think it is, like I said, it's. I think it is a concern when it, it appears that it's it's somebody just trying to – I guess, put out this persona or be this person that they're not. And like, while I can appreciate that, that does usually come from somebody that's in a place of struggle or in a mm. place of you know unrest and they don't know who they are and all this kind of stuff. That doesn't impress me. Do you know what I mean? Like no. I'm not the type of person that needs to be lied to about crazy stories or exaggerations about lifestyle or money or whatever like I'm friends with a person because of who they are at their core you know Mm -hmm. like not these irrelevant factors so I guess to an extent you, you know you can't help but question the entirety of your relationship because like, why do you even feel the need to tell these crazy ass lies to me? Like, Mm -hmm. (laughs) yeah, yeah, for sure. And I think I gain so much respect and I feel like it it creates a deeper relationship where I might have asked a question or something and someone's told me the truth and it's like a really hard truth to tell. You know, like they might be admitting something or even just apologizing out of nowhere and saying like, look, like this is what I did or this is what I said. I'm really sorry about it. Like I gain so much respect for that. And I, I really value that in relationships. Like Ruan and I have a pretty blanket rule that we don't lie to each other. Like even little white lies, not okay for that reason. You know, I feel like even just not telling the truth, I think I would really notice that because the thing is as well, which we should cover, when you can tell someone's lying and like you don't know that they're lying, but you just know. Mm-hmm. And I feel like there is something to be said. We could probably look up some like body language, which, mm-hmm. you know, um, signifies lying because I think sometimes you feel like, oh, I can just tell, I can just tell when really you're you're subconsciously picking up on their body language, you know, and so yeah. your body's quite, your mind's quite good at sensing that. But I think like this girl that you, you talked about with the chicken wing, <laughs> for a long time you suspected that she was lying mm. mm-hmm. and you kind of just knew, but like you didn't really know. And then that chicken wing story was like, now you know. <laughs> now I know. She's finally yeah. broken character. <gasps> Yeah, I think that's true. I I wonder, yeah, what the psychology is behind it because I think we know, like, I think that would surely be trained in, you know, 
detectives and people that mm. interview criminals and all that kind of stuff. Like we know that I think your body gives off a lot of cues when you're trying to spit out this story, but your body's like, no, mate, <laughs> yeah. stop. It feels I can't wrong. control what's happening out of your mouth, but like I can't stop twitching. <laughs> It's really high. <laughs> There's this game that we play, this board game, where basically like one of you has to lie and the, everyone else doesn't. And so you're trying to work out who the liar is. And the other day we played it and I was the liar and Ruan knew straight away. Okay. He was like, I know your lying face. And I was like, what do you mean? And I feel like I'm being so normal. <laughs> He's just looking at me like, you are so stressed. That's how I felt with when my um my now brother in law told me that he was going to propose to my sister. I found yeah. that like so challenging to because like her and I speak literally every day, mm-hmm. and I just felt like any we could be having a conversation about like freaking cat food, and I felt like I was giving it away <laughs> because I knew I had this lie in my heart about something so significant. Yeah, and like. Yeah, I just felt like I was just sweating lies. Like I just I couldn't yeah. cope with it. Like I felt like everything I said was somehow giving it away. Yeah, and that's really <laughs> that's so weird. funny. Well, that's a good example of me lying a lot to you when I knew that you were going to yeah. get proposed to. <laughs> yeah, you were even like fishing on Marco. <laughs> You're a liar. <laughs> I don't trust you. Oh, that's so funny. I hate that. Oh. Actually, another thing that really bothers me is when someone forces you into a lie. There was a situation a while ago, and I won't go too far into it, but someone had lied about something to do with me and a few other people. Maybe, for example, oh, we're all going to the beach today. Sorry, we can't go to that event. You know Mm -hmm. what I mean? So like, now I'm involved in this lie. I didn't even tell it. But then when those people ask me, oh, what did you do today? Now I've got to say, oh, I went to the beach because I feel bad. Like I don't want to ruin that person's, you know, Mm -hmm. reputation either. But this lie was such a cascade because it went for like a whole weekend, this lie. Mm. And I had to keep, you know, feeding this lie and people, because then I think people could tell because there was about five people involved in this lie now. And chances are not all of us are good liars. So I've had to run around being like, okay, this is the story. Like this is because someone told this lie and just didn't think about any consequences of it. And I was like, okay, well, now that you've told this lie, like we need to all have details that are the same about that lie. Because if one person knows that a group is lying, of course you're going to start to have fun with it. Like I would be mm-hmm. questioning those people. I'd be like, okay, so tell me about where where were you? What time? You know what yeah, I mean? and you go and ask them be like, oh, what did you, where did you go for lunch? And then you say whatever. And they're like, oh, that's funny because such and such said that you went to the fish and chip shop. And then you're exactly. there like squirming. <laughs> That's it. And so I feel like that was kind of happening for this whole weekend. And it was the worst experience. And I remember I came home and I told you about it. And I was like, this is my problem with lying is that not only do I feel like I don't want to do it because of other people, like it just creates so much anguish in yourself where you've told this lie. And now I was so stressed about it. We were all stressed about this lie. You know, like we're all panicked about it. Well, no one was as panicked as what they should have been because no one thought about the consequences. But if we had just told the truth, yeah, they might have been a bit mad at us. It might have been a bit awkward, but who cares? Like then at least we're enjoying our time, you know, like I just feel like the consequence of lying, there's there's so many issues with it. And one is what it does to you as well. Mm, Internally, for sure. What about, for example, if 
Okay, what about this? You were <laughs> I'm at your place and you come out wearing those skorts or whatever the heck those <laughs> things were. <laughs> and you are really feeling yourself in these things. You mm-hmm. think that it's the best you've ever looked. You're feeling so confident and me I'm thinking these are horrors. They are the worst things I've ever seen in my entire life. Mm-hmm. But you're feeling yourself. You're feeling so good. What do I do? Well, if my question is, do you like them? You can say, look, I wouldn't wear them personally, but mm-hmm. they're making you feel so good and you feel so confident, <laughs> so wear them. That's what I would yeah, say. Okay. Mm-hmm. And what if I say, yeah, but do you think that they look really good on me? Um, you would just say, look, they're not really my typical style, but it doesn't matter how, what I think, like, how do you like yourself in them? That's yeah, what I would say. Play on words. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so no white lie? No, I wouldn't. What about if you say, um, do I look fat in this outfit? Do I look fat? Like if someone, if it's not flattering, you might just say, um, I think there's different kind of outfits that might be a bit more flattering, but how do you feel in it? That's what I would always say. Yeah, deflect at all costs. Deflect. <laughs> <laughs> or you can even say, look, it is accentuating your tummy a bit or your hips a bit, but that doesn't matter. Like it's more about how you feel in the clothes, you know? Mm-hmm. So there's no time that you should lie to be kind. Um, I mean, it's easy to say this hypothetically when no one's in front of me, <laughs> but... Yeah, because that took you a while. If you were doing that response, I'd be like, well, your silence is speaking volumes <laughs> right now. You short suck. I can't think of an example where this has happened, but generally, like, I'm not looking to be critical anyway. Like, if someone looks happy in something or I like the color of something, like, I would just think, I would just talk about the positives of that outfit. I wouldn't be like, oh, well, actually, it's accentuating your hips. Like, you know what I mean? <laughs> Like I would probably just hope that I'm being positive in my brain so that when I am positive, it's not a lie. Mm. I wouldn't maybe tell the truth about maybe I wouldn't wear that, but I I won't lie about it either, you know, Mm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. because it's going to be very obvious if I'm like, oh my gosh, that's so nice. I love that. I would wear it. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, true. This is true. Yeah. (laughs) Like it's a bit of a lose-lose, to be honest. Mm. But well, like, yeah, because I would hate to have said, yes, I love those shorts, and then you wear them out in public in my presence. <laughs> I think we need to give the listeners – do we have that video still of you wearing that? Yeah, okay, maybe. I think it was on my phone. I'll try to look for it. it so Probably. Because we did show Caleb. Like these mm-hmm. shorts, they're actually – they were Gorman shorts, so they're very, very patterned. But they were like <laughs> – you're meant to wear them high-waisted, but Marissa put them on her hips, so they're basically down to her knees, and so they looked like a late 2000s board shorts kind of situation. Yes. <laughs> and you showed Caleb, you were like, Caleb, like, do you like these? And he was like, oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. He was like, <laughs> oh, gosh. I think he said, but, if you, like, yeah, I don't you know. know more about fashion than me. Yeah, you did say that. <laughs> but I think like, again, if I say I showed you those shorts and like I could tell that you were lying, I wouldn't be like, do you really feel like that, Marissa? Like I wouldn't try to trap you in the line and be like, you know, I would just be like, oh, the poor girl doesn't know what to say. She doesn't like them. Like, you know what I mean? That's that's understandable. 
Because mm. you yeah, would true. definitely lie, hey? I don't know. Like, I wouldn't want you to feel upset. But, I mean, I told you that they suck. I couldn't yeah, lie. you were truthful. But I moment. said they're horrific. You were like, um, <laughs> probably depends on the relationship you have with someone. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I think that's the other important thing that I was reading about is that lying kind of takes away people's opportunity to make accurate decisions because the people don't have the full picture, which I think is quite interesting and something I hadn't really thought about before. I don't know if I've ever really been in that situation, but if somebody's faced with a question and you've given them the information and that information is not accurate or not true, mm-hmm. then you know, you're taking their opportunity away to you know, make a decision that's built on you know, honesty that's built on accurate information, which I think can be quite unfair. I'm trying to think of an example of this. Say someone asks you to catch up and you say, um, sorry, like I'm busy, but that's not really what's happening. Like maybe you're just really stressed or maybe you've, you're all peopled out. Then they might just ask you again the next day or the next day or the next day. Mm. kind of thing instead of just being like oh they're really stressed at the moment and so they they don't really have the opportunity to be a good friend to you because they don't yeah. know the real information mm. mm-hmm. yeah that's yeah, which, that's so true actually which i hadn't really ever thought about but makes sense or like for example if i've asked you something about the podcast <laughs> to do something for the podcast and you're like yeah yeah i've done i'm doing it, i'm doing it <laughs> but really like lily's losing it caleb's had something happen at work you're sick. If you had told me all those things, I wouldn't. I wouldn't keep asking you. You know what I mm. mean. So, yeah, like, it takes away the ability for me to be a good friend, but also to be like to extend patience or empathy. Yeah, that's true. And you think that you're you're doing the right thing, saying the lie, mm. but actually, you're taking the person's opportunity away to be fully aware of the full situation mm-hmm. and then act accordingly. Yeah, I think that's a nice way to wrap it up. Okay, thank you so much for listening to this episode on lying. If you want to support the podcast, please follow us on Instagram, Patreon, and Spotify. Patreon, I'm going to put it in there. I don't think you can follow us on Patreon, but you can become a patron if you want. Um, What else is there? You'll find all the information to that in the show notes of this episode. And apart from that, we'll see you next time. Bye.